Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Before we get started, I want to note this episode deals with adult content and those under 18 should not be an earshot of this episode. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Marcella, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. You know, there's been so many really, really great topics, but this is the first (laughs) that we're going to, like, in regards to this topic, in regards to talking to a content creator on Clubhouse of what you Mm -hmm. do. So I'm going to just read the bio that you sent me really quick, and then we're going to get into the wine, and we're going to, girl, we're getting into the cheese today, (laughs) right? You are, you said, branded hottest Latina MILF in the world, adult content creator, Made headlines when you went international with your story about opening an OnlyFans to support your adult daughter through law school. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot there. But before we get into the cheese, mate, like I'm going to tease you guys for a minute, okay? Because you know we have to talk about the wine first. So before we get into all that cheese, mate, you can marinate that what you will. Today, I am drinking from the Brown Family Wines Chardonnay. Because it's hot here in San Diego today. So I just needed something kind of refreshing. I'm interested. I I have not tasted this one before. But this is what the tasting note says. It says pineapple, starfruit, and guava with secondary notes of flowering star jasmine, orange blossoms, and traces of honeysuckle, lemon verbena. I don't know what the heck lemon verbena is, but that's what it says. And meringue. Light, crisp, elegant, and juicy on the palate with a bright yet round mouthfeel. Made from sustainably grown wine grapes with small amounts of naturally occurring and added sulfites, nothing else. This says it pairs well with crab cakes, grilled oysters, seafood, carpaccio, corn dogs, truffle fries, and mac and cheese. What a varied thing, (laughs) right? Corn corn dogs. Corn dogs. Hey, you know what? If you really want to make wine appealing to all people, you got to add stuff like corn dogs and mac and cheese on there, right? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just saying. But you are you are partaking, but you're not drinking wine. Yes, what are you drinking but today? I'm drinking because I'm watching my sugar. I'm having White Claw, the because the two grams of sugar. The wines that I do like, I love Moscato, but the thing is the sugar content. Yeah, right? it's a very sweet wine. Yeah, so that's why... You know, I would love to have something more tasty, but I'm, you know, I have a trip I'm going to to go shoot content in Miami and I gotta look good. (laughs) I can really smell, I'm smelling it right now. I can really smell the star fruit and the guava. Oh, I smell a little bit of the pineapple. 
as well, uh-huh. but I can really smell. I love star fruit, by the way. So I can really smell that. And then when I kind of can spin you, it in my bottle, uh-huh. then I, it can smell the pineapple more. So salud, girl. That's my sound effects. <laughs> does it taste good? Oh, it does. Yeah, does you know taste? what? It's not too sweet because I'm not a big sweet person, right? And with Chardonnay, sometimes it can be really buttery and heavy, and I'm not a big fan of that. And then sometimes it can just be really too fruity. So this one is kind of in between. It's not too sweet, especially for a nice warm day like today. This really works. So yeah, I'm going to dig this. I'll probably finish the bottle. Do, not right do, now, you, but... Would it go with a corn dog? That's what I want to know. Would it go, oh my gosh. Now, I wish I would have read this before. I would have had a corn dog <laughs> ready to try. But you know what? I did make vegan mac and cheese a couple of days mm-hmm. ago that I have leftovers of. So I will try it with the mac and cheese and I will... I'll share it on Instagram. It says it goes with mac and cheese. So I'm going to tell you if it really does or not. But Mm -hmm. yes, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We met in a room in Clubhouse. Clubhouse has really been where I've gotten a lot of people interviewed lately, but it's such a wealth of people on there. A wealth of information and knowledge. and Yes. And then you're connecting with people. It's an amazing app. And what I like opposed to like IG, IG, you just see the picture. And you can meet the person from IG and they can be a bendejo in person. But on Clubhouse, you talk to the people, you you know who you're dealing with. And I feel like with a lot of the Latina groups, we're like more like a family. Definitely. You know, and I, I go in there and I can be who I am. And there's no judgment, nobody. I feel very supported in the Latina community. So that's why when I, I reached out to you because I was like, oh, I want to see other, you know, Latinas grow in their business. Grow. I want to support I know when I got the thing that you submitted and then you messaged me on Instagram, I got so excited (laughs) because, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast of the Wine and Cheese My podcast is to hear stories from all kinds of people, right? Mm -hmm. All very specifically from communities of color, but there's so many different stories of people. Everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own story. And I find it so fascinating talking to people that have a story that isn't as common as everybody else's, or maybe it is, but then they take an uncommon turn, right? Yeah. And I always am very fascinated by that because I want to pick their brain and I want to know everything. And I think there are certain things that people have an inclination towards, or maybe people are just too shy to explore that side of themselves, Mm -hmm. right? So we talk about so many different things. So when you sent me that, I was so excited. I've literally been talking about you for probably the last two weeks. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> next week I'm interviewing this woman who's on Clubhouse or on OnlyFans. And the first question everybody asks is, what exactly is OnlyFans? So I've read it. I have an idea of what it is. But for somebody who is a content creator for OnlyFans, how would you describe OnlyFans? So the thing is, Instagram has a lot, a lot of restrictions. And you've probably seen models or, you know, other content creators post pictures or people lose their account. For instance, I lost an IG about a year ago. I was posting simple pictures, no nudity, nothing, but IG will do that. And they also will delete TikTok. People, you know, get deleted. Um, TikTok deletes people for like nut, like you just report it and people don't even show anything and they'll delete it. Right, they're not exactly. So the thing with OnlyFans, it's 18 plus. So... For anybody to join, they have to be over 18. 
It's a platform where content creators can maximize their profits, sort of like a Patreon. But yes, there could be nudity. There could not be nudity. But it's basically for content creators to connect with their fans through the DMs. For instance, I have different themes and I kind of ask my fans, like, what do you want to see next? For instance, I have Fetish Fridays. I ask, you know, what do you want to see? Because I have guys that want to see feet pictures. I have guys that want to see pantyhose. I have guys that want to see cosplay. So I'm catering to what my fans want along with interacting with them. And I've got fans like all over the world. And so that's basically what it is. It's a platform over 18 Sometimes I have two different accounts. I have a free account with over 53K on it. And then I have a paid one with over 4,000. I started it by accident in 2017, never really paid attention. Oh, wait, it's been around that long? Yes. I actually got on it early just by, and I was like, I didn't even know what it was. I just was like, let me sign up for this because I'm just, you know, if there's money involved, I'm there. Um, (laughs) Like, I said, let me sign up for this or whatever. And then I met somebody that's like, oh, you just post pictures or whatever. I was like, okay, cool. I got on it. And at the time, I think I had a Snapchat and that kind of was funneling the people in. But again, I was really messing around with it till 2019. And when I discovered Telegram Rooms, where a lot of other content creators were starting to market. And again, I I was on it and I, I was making a good amount of money, but I really wasn't that serious and Till the pandemic like hit. I was working another job. I do have a history where I've been in the adult entertainment industry since I was 18. I was a stripper when I was younger. And that's how I raised my oldest daughter. Um, and she always went to Catholic school because, you know, us Latinas, we've got to, <laughs> we're very, you know, cautious. So I did it and I really didn't really like push again till the pandemic. And then my daughter said, oh, I want to go to law school, but I don't know. Let me wait. My father had passed. And then I just like got in full gear and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to really push myself and market myself on it. So I actually take all my photos on my IG. I answer all the DM, but I do have assistants that help me with marketing. So basically it's, it's a great platform for a content creator to make money if they are selling stuff that 18 and older want to be on. There's all sorts of people. There's comedians. There's, I think, Cardi B's on there. DJ Callen's on there. There has been some controversies because some sex workers don't like these entertainers being on there. But to me, I feel like it's called OnlyFans. Yeah. So it should, it should be for the fans. It should be who, that's what I feel like it's for. Is it should be open to whoever wants to get onto it. Um, so speaking of that, like the uh-huh. whole big, the biggest controversy was obviously with Bella Thorne. When yes. he got on. So, I feel like a lot of people didn't really care about celebrities being on, but that one hit, seemed to hit a nerve. It hit a nerve with the sex workers. So th- from what I understand, I kind of ignored it. I'll be honest. When she got on there, my numbers soared that week. And I feel like that, it's good that some of these celebrities get on there because people like me, then they, you know, it makes it more mainstream. Mm-hmm. When something's more mainstream, it gives you more users. I don't feel like it's going to take money out of my pocket. So apparently from the thing with Bella Dorn is she's told her fans, this is a nude picture and she sold it for $50 and it wasn't nude. And that caused, this is the story I'm hearing. I don't know for sure. But apparently it led to a whole bunch of charges. And that's why a lot of sex workers are mad about that. Yeah. They got a whole bunch of chargebacks. After that, it happened to be the chargebacks. But I also keep up on a lot of stuff with 
like MasterCard and different credit cards are, they're having more restriction, you know, which is totally understandable. Like that's just the name of the game. Any business has to deal with chargebacks. Yeah. I mean, and I get that when you have celebrities hype up a platform Mm -hmm. or a person or anything like that, it brings more attention to that platform. Because I don't think, I knew of OnlyFans prior to Bella Thorne being on there. I know that Cardi B said she was on OnlyFans, but there wasn't going to be any nudity. Like, she was very clear. She was very upfront. From the very beginning. But I didn't hear about it until the pandemic. So I was actually having a lot of cousins and friends and stuff joke around saying, like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get an OnlyFans account. (laughs) I'm going to show my feet. I'm going to show. Because there's something for everybody, right? Like you said, there's all kinds of fetishes and stuff. OnlyFans, I have seen every type of demographics on there. I've seen women as old as even in their 60s, late 60s on there. I've seen some people and I just don't feel as a Latina. I don't feel comfortable with this. I've seen mom and dad pages. I don't know. Mom and mom and uh, daughter. Pa- I don't mom know. Mom and this. daughter pages. I don't, with, I don't agree with that personally. My daughter better not be on there. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I work hard. People are other sex workers. Well, why won't you let your. No, man. I work hard enough that she better not. I'll pull the chick like that up real quick. <laughs> but yeah, I've seen. When I used to strip, when I first started dancing, it was a Caucasian woman's world. You had to be blonde. You had to be Caucasian. You had to have the right body. And when I first started dancing, because I had a child at a young age, I had my daughter at a very young age. I had her at 16 years old. And I, had, and I came from a Cuban and Puerto Rican culture. And my Cuban side totally disowned me. So, you know, when I turned 18, I had to support myself. I was living in Florida. Minimum wage was $4.75. I had to do something. So I started dancing, but they put me on mid shift because I came in. I was a Latina. They put the African-Americans and the Latinas in the early shift. And then the, the blonde, the Caucasian ladies got to work. So when I started in the business, it was a very Caucasian woman's world. It was all about the blonde. You know, you, we can remember when we were young, like the blonde, the like the Pamela the, Anderson type. The Playboy Bunny. Right. Now, I feel like with OnlyFans, it's opened it up where it's all kinds of cultures, everything on there, mm-hmm. which is good. It's, it opens up a lot of um, opportunity. And there's a very big need for older women. And what was crazy is I do have a lot of fans that are younger. And that's the majority of my income. Okay. So that was actually one of my <laughs> questions in regards to that, that you mm-hmm. call yourself the hottest MILF on only, you know, but mm-hmm. obviously it's for a reason, right? Because mm-hmm. I think people hear MILF and they, or at least our demographic, right? Us, yeah. Gen X, yeah, Gen- <laughs> older ex- millennials remember mm-hmm. American Pie and where MILF was coined, mm-hmm. right? So is it guys like that? Like, is it a diverse group of younger guys that follow you? Because obviously there's this need that they're they my want best, to see. They're my best fans. They honestly are my best fans. Besides my bilingual, because also I read and write in Spanish, so I'm able to cater. And there's not a lot of Latinas on OnlyFans, I feel like. Not too much. Really? So like, Who knows? Let's, well, uh, towards the end, we'll get, your, we'll get your suggestions if any of the listeners want to start <laughs> OnlyFans. Well, there might be more, but I do cater to a, lot, a bilingual audience. So my best fans are either younger, under the age of, from like 21 to about 35, 21 to 30. Those are my best, and my Spanish-speaking um, fans, which are all over the world. Uruguay, my cat wants to jump in. Um, <laughs> I have people in Uruguay, España, Panama, Mexico, Puerto Rico, 
everywhere. So I cater also to, you know, my, my bilingual crowd too. So those are my other sets of bands. When you're on there, because I know you said you have a free version and a paid version. I have version. a free and a paid. So the free, I keep it basically like an IG. And I funnel the fans and the free one along with sometimes I sell like maybe five or six photos, you know, five or six nudes. And I get like a lot of people buying from there. I don't really, you know, I sell on there, but I funnel as well onto my paid. And how I much do you charge for your paid one? Um, the paid one, it's always $4.55. And then it's $12.99 a month afterwards. And I also do like audio messages that I sell to people. I do video. I do also rate dick ratings, which is something else. I, I you Wait, so guys send photos of their dicks to you to yeah. rate them? Yes. <laughs> That's a big portion of my income. No. Yes. Seriously? So what, are they just like seeking validation? Have you ever told a guy like you have an ugly dick? Well, this is the thing. Guys actually pay for that. So there's a, something called a small penis humiliation and that's extra. They need to pay for that. And that's clean. Wow. There's a lot of fetish stuff I've catered. I've sold, like recently I had a Victoria's Secret bra and I sold it to somebody. Like he wanted to buy one of my bras. And I was like, well, actually, I got one that I just, it doesn't fit no more. And it was a Victoria's Secret one that I, I spent good money. And actually, I refolded it for like about $170. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So what am I doing? I thought I was doing, <laughs> I'm, I wasn't good with having wine. Like, I get to taste amazing wines, but maybe I need to add another aspect to this. <laughs> I can humiliate somebody. <laughs> yeah. So I do do a lot of fetish work because that is the past. I've done that in the past. So I'm knowledgeable on that in the mindset. I do have a younger audience. I do do the dick ratings. That's how I make money. I make a lot of money with the dick ratings. There's audio. So I, I'm really good at dirty talking. And I also use a platform called Sex Pamper. Where What's guys that? will... Um, Sex Pamper uh, is another platform that I use other than OnlyFans. Because I contacted them today and I said, I love you guys. I'm always going gonna, gonna to always be plugging them in because it's such a great site. So basically, guys can text me and I'm getting paid and they can call me and then they can do video chats. And that's even more personal than OnlyFans. OnlyFans is more visual. It is. OnlyFans has a lot of work. Sex Pamper, they can actually sex me. They, when I turn it on, they can call me if I put the phone on or they can do a video call. So that's another um, app that I use. It's very popular. Like they'll be at work. And they want to like talk dirty or they want to be humiliated. That is so crazy. I mean, I know there is always people out there like with different mm -hmm. things. And I do sell feet pics. Yes. But the feet pics is just like, if I was to sell like just my feet pics, I probably wouldn't make the money I make. So like, cause for people thinking, oh, I just want to sell feet. Eh, there's a market for it, but not like a big, big market. You'd really have to. Yeah, you really have to niche through. Mm -hmm. So what, I know that you're able to show as much or as little as you mm -hmm. want. So how far do you go? Like, how far do you allow yourself to go? Like, topless and naked, which I don't mind. And then I, I show my ass. That's generally on my paid wall. My photos generally are top, like, I want to say like PG-13, but I sell more of the, the extra dirty ones through DMs often. Additional, they have to pay like that. I do all my own photos. After the pandemic happened, I got on YouTube. I taught myself. 
I was like, because some photographers, I was like, I'm not going to pay that for this photographer. And then I've got to go. I just started, I watched how to get do my hair. I'm like a one-stop shop for where I just do everything myself. But the only reason I do hire people for like my Twitter help, I did have somebody on IG. I just had to rehire somebody on IG to help me out with IG. I had to, I hire people to help with the marketing aspect because I really do want to know my fans. And I feel like that's very valuable to deal with them one-on-one. What is the craziest request you've ever gotten from somebody? And then on top of that, what's the craziest request that you've gotten somebody that you were like, I am not doing that? Well, the craziest request, but it was kind of easy, is a guy wanted me to film me going through my underwear drawer. And then he paid me $200. I was dressed in the video. And he literally wanted me to go do like a five-minute video and pull up my panties and be like, oh, you like these? Oh, okay, like that. Again, that was a one-time thing. That doesn't happen every day. That was super easy, but it was a crazy request because like he didn't want to buy them. Usually like they'll want to buy the panties or I want pictures with me. No, he wanted me like to go through and show them to him individual. And he paid me 200. One of the things I'm trying to think is, oh, no, no, no. The one thing that I like draw the line is I had a guy, you do a video with you and your daughter. I was like, how no blocked him, cut him off because there are girls doing pages with mom and daughters. And I personally like, that's not me. That's not me at all. I just, Oh, that gives me the heebie jeebies. No, that's exactly. I, that's the one that I was disgusted with. And it's because there's other content creators making, they're not, some of them are not really mom and daughter, but they um, act like mom and daughter. Yeah. But I don't know. It's not the Latinos that want it. I'm going to put it to you straight. I never you see my it. face. I'm like, Oh, right. oh it's, that's only, so good. It, it's never the Latinos that want it. It's always the way. Like, <laughs> they, for, I don't think I we have, have many white guys listening to my podcast. Right. So you can just say it. <laughs> But it's never, yeah, I won't do that. And I'm funny about that. And I don't agree. So that was the one request that I was like, oh, no, I was disgusted because my daughter, again, like I told you, my daughter better not be a girl. So speaking of you saying Mm -hmm. your daughter can't, you have multiple kids? I have two kids. I have a 17-year-old and a 27-year-old. So do they know that you do, this is what you do? Yes. My older daughter knew that I was a stripper because I sent her to Catholic school her whole entire life. She graduated from Catholic school. She has her master's degree. I set her up with school because I was stripping. My younger daughter is having more of an issue with it of what I do and she doesn't like it. And, you know, I don't share it with her. I don't bring it up or whatever, but she will make comments. My younger daughter has an issue. And how do you navigate that? Is it just kind of avoiding the situation or? I avoid the situation, but also um, they have two different fathers. So the little one's fathers, I feel like the stepmom's putting stuff in her ear too, out of like jealousy. I don't want that. And, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's like a jealous, that's also where it's coming from. I mean, I could see that. I mean, I don't know, obviously. I'm I don't know. But I could see where there could be some insecurity issues Mm -hmm. in regards to that. Yeah. Knowing, you know, that your husband's ex does this type of work. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I think you have to be a very secure person in yourself (laughs) to know Mm -hmm. that. How does this affect relationships that you're in? Do you have other relationships that you're in as far as boyfriends or fiancés or husbands or anything like that and how does this what you do affect that whatever I've done like this is the thing with me 
I'd rather be single than be with somebody that's not going to support me. So if anybody's dating me or whatever, I really lay it on the table and somebody has to be open and upfront. So I have had a relationship in the past where somebody was, they knew what I was doing and they were okay with it. They just didn't want it to be like brought up or whatever, you know? Right. Have you ever had the experience where a guy thinks he's okay with it, but then looks at what you're doing and then changes their mind. Oh, like, yeah. oh when maybe I I'm dancing, not okay with this. When I was dancing, I had a guy that I dated that acted like he was okay. And then he got passive aggressive. And then I found out later after the fact, and I was just like, you know, this is many years ago. You know, I was younger at the time. And I was just like, is he going to support me a hundred percent? This is not the one for me. And that's how, what I felt like, because I've, I'm the one that has to take care of my kids, my bills, you know, nobody's there for them but myself. Saying I can't live through a relationship. I'm very, one thing about me, I was not raised with novellas. So um, when I was little, my um, father's mother would make me watch Sesame Street. I was not allowed to watch like no novellas. You can't watch those. So the concept of relationship was, I'm kind of glad I was raised that way because it's made me more independent to focus on work and making money versus a relationship. Like I said, I got into this because I had one side of the family disown me. So I had to take care of myself at a young age. So that's what's important to me is to take care of myself, pay my bills, take care of my children, make sure they get the right education. My little one is a lot. She's very, very bright. She didn't go to Catholic school. Like I wish I would have been able to send her because also there was a period of time where I was working a regular job and I couldn't afford it. But my oldest, I always tell my oldest, I go, you really benefited from me swinging on the pole. <laughs> And she goes, mom, don't tell me no more. But I really wanted to instill the education in both of my daughters. They both have Cuban fathers. One thing about Hispanic women in this country, we are the lowest paid. Yeah, it's 54 cents to the dollar. Right. So even though I was a sex worker and I had to do what I had to do, I had I wanted to make sure that my daughters didn't have to do what I had to do and could compete in this world. And it's very tough. It's important that we support other females Latinas, you know, all together because we do have the lowest pay. Nobody really talks about it. Yeah, I think, well, in my circle, I feel like we talk about it, but I think it's because of the people I've cultivated in the circle and we definitely have these conversations, but you're right. Yeah. At a, in a mass way, mm -hmm. it's not discussed. Yeah. Oftentimes within the Latino community, a lot of things are not discussed. Recently, mm -hmm. there was a another video that came out with, a Latino dying from a police officer on his neck. Mm. And we haven't talked about that, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't see mass protests. You don't see no. mass things. You don't see. And I think that there's almost like this fear of us talking about it, mm -hmm. but we have to get over that. Like if we want things to change, right? We say all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Right. And we have to support one another. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we have to be there and support the Native American community, the Latino community, the Asian community. And we have to support our community. You know, I've said this multiple times in regards to our voices collectively are stronger than they are separate. Yes. So we all have to be there for one another to support one another and say, this isn't right. This right. isn't right. Like right now, yeah. there's still things happening with the immigrant children. We can't. Just sit back and say, oh, that's okay. No, it's bullshit. We got to get this taken right. care of. But we all have to raise our voices in order to do it, right? The squeaky wheel gets the oil. 
Right. And as Latinos, as a community, we tend to not squeak as much as other communities. We, yeah, that's true. We that's stay true. quiet. Mute. So mm-hmm. we have to raise our voice and be louder in mm-hmm. order for change to be made. Right. Yeah. So my thing is when my daughter is like, I really push them because of the pay, you know, how hard it was. And when I, the whole reason like I got into the adult business is there was no other opportunity for me. I remember I went to a McDonald's and I couldn't get hired. Really? Yeah. When I was young in Florida. Yeah. So was your first job as a stripper? I worked other jobs. Like I remember I worked at a pizza place. I remember they labeled me as the Puerto Rican. And then there was an African-American man and the owner was white and we both were treated like shit. And I used to take everybody's hours, you know, and he would cut my hours. And the reason I got into, I was 18 years old. He cut my hours and I was like, oh shit, how am I going to pay rent and my bills and everything else? Because again, I had a child at a young age and I was going to college. That's when I knew, Hey, I was in Tampa, Florida. I knew, let me go over there to Mons Venus. Or across the street was 2001. There was two different clubs. They were nude strip clubs. Let me go over here because my hours were getting cut. The way the owner was treating both me and the African-American man was just ridiculous. How we were getting tripped versus other. So I went over there and that's what I had to do. But again, when I walked in the club, I couldn't work the most busiest shift. They put me on the other shift. Right. And then I thought it was my weight. I thought it was this and that. And then as I've gotten older, I realized the way they used to treat black and brown people, they didn't want to see us so much. And there was a period of time in my industry, I had to dye my hair blonde. I dyed my hair blonde up until my daughter was in high school. And I remember even buying the lace front wigs before Cardi B was ever popular, installing a lace front rig so I could go work in a club and work a certain hour. Because to get in, I had to mask myself. Caucasian. That's the reality of even being in the adult industry. So question, what is the dynamic, like the ethnicity and diversity dynamic in Tampa? Because for example, I actually worked at a strip club in Dallas Oh, you as, as a cocktail waitress. Uh-huh. I've not ever taken off. I have not ever taken off my clothes because I was always very insecure about doing that. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. But I did learn a lot being a cocktail waitress. I did notice like I've worked at two of them and they were both very diverse, but -hmm. it was basically like they went by body type. So if you had like, if you were a little bit on the chunkier side, they wanted you on the daytime. If they had what they would perceive like a nice body, regardless of ethnicity, then they would have you in the evening. Mm -hmm. I cocktail waitresses, they let you work whenever you want. Yeah. They didn't care. That's how it was in the club. Yeah. So for me, I was 120 pounds, five foot four. So this is how skinny I was back then. And they put me on mid shift. So now that body is, you know, now everybody's got the culo. Everybody's getting the BBL. Yeah. But back then, because I had a little bit of, you know, the culo, that was another excuse. And again, I started in the late 90s. And the remember how the body type was Kate Moss style? Yes, super stick thing. Paris Hilton, those yes. super ultra low rise right. jeans, which right. I was like, no, I, I got nalgas at a panza. Like my ass is never going to fit in these jeans. Thank you. Yeah. Because when I worked, the thing about Tampa, there is a Hispanic community. It's not so big. 
um, like Miami. It's not like Miami. Miami, they, it was when I went to Miami, all of a sudden I could work anytime because I did work in Miami for a bit. But in Tampa, it was predominantly um, Caucasian. So I had to blend in. And then I moved to Vegas. And in Vegas, I had to blend in even more. And that's when I had a really, you know what I'm saying? And I was really lucky to in, in Vegas. But when I started, I remember them giving me like midship. But it was kind of cool because it worked out with my schedule. It, it ended up working out for me to work that shift. But I always thought I was fat at a young age. And I pulled back pictures and I was like, oh, my God, look. how Yeah, 5'4 and 120 pounds is not fat. I was. Yeah. So but I had a little bit of curves, which now are acceptable. You know what I'm saying? So things were back when I started, it was fully like a Caucasian woman's blonde Caucasian. Like that was what everybody wanted. And I remember when I would come in, it would be other Spanish girls and other African-American girls. And then at night came in all the blonde, you know, more white girls came in. So that's how it was in Tampa. And I didn't really realize until I got older, like the racism. Then I had, I'll never forget I was in Las Vegas working at a club that I actually sued in Sapphire. And I brought this up because the owner's son said to me, you're really lucky you're light skinned and you could pass for white because if you were a darker Latina, you couldn't work. <laughs> yeah. So the racism and the, and I sued that club. I actually sued that club. And that was one of the things I brought in. And that was the owner's son saying that to me. So that the is race- such bullshit. Yeah. Oh, so that irritates race- me so bad. That yeah. The really, racism ugh. in the clubs is real. You know, it was real. Now things are a hundred percent different. And the good thing about OnlyFans is there's BBWs, there's curvy girls, there's older, there's younger, there's every every type of girl. And there's there's all sorts of women that are making there's women making a hundred thousand a month. I don't make a hundred thousand a month. <laughs> like I have to put like a lot of work into my stuff. I do certainly, but there is some women that are making a hundred thousand a month, like crazy amount of money. I was watching something about OnlyFans, like it was ta- like with creators, and I don't remember mm-hmm. if it was Netflix or I was watching something that just recently came out within the last few months. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah, there's some people that make a crazy amount of money mm-hmm. and have a crazy amount of subscribers. I think there was one person probably only charging like seven ninety nine a month, but had so many subscribers that they were making like forty fifty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, I make about 30000 a month, and I'm happy, I'm blessed, I'm very content, but in some of my Telegram groups, that's like a low ball. So that's am- I, like to, like, I'm listening to that, and I'm like, wait, can you teach me? <laughs> can I make that no, kind of money? I, I feel like, well, I'll be honest, like, I'm very grateful and very humble that the amount of money I make, I'll be real with you, because the thing I don't like is I hear girls, I made 150 but they're not talking how much they're spending. Right. So. I, you have to spend about $2,500 a month worth of assistance. And then there's my marketing expenses too. So out of that money, I do have to get that money and reinvest back into my business, just like any business would. Does OnlyFans um, charge you as well? OnlyFans takes out 20%, which is really, it's really to me reasonable. Um, Sex Panther takes out 20% as well. Sex Panther, so OnlyFans, I have to push the traffic. Sex Panther, the traffic's already there. So that's why, like, I'm going to start plugging Sex Panther in because they're really a freaking awesome company to work for. Yeah. So OnlyFans, the marketing aspect can be very demanding. I have 
an assistant, two different assistants that are working my page. And then I have to work my social medias. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work. Did you, when you were younger, because you said you were 5'4", 120 pounds, did you find when you were dancing or when you were moving into anything else? Because I know you said you worked in, in you worked in fetish work as well, and I would mm-hmm. love to hear about that. Mm-hmm. Did you find that there was pressure for your body to be a certain way and have oh, had yeah. work but, but, done in regards to mm-hmm. like any enhancements? I felt more pressure to get work done when I was younger than now. Um, now, when I want to get work done, it's for me to feel better. But when there was a point, even I went to the doctor because we hear about BBLs or whatever. Now, um, there was a point I went to a doctor and I begged him to liposuction my ass. And he said no. And I was crying and I was upset because I had a culo. Like, what the hell? Like, I have a butt. And now this is the biggest craze ever for everybody to think people are flying to Colombia. You know, they're flying to the DR, getting their ass done. But I was very upset because I would have clubs tell me your ass is too big. You know what I'm saying? Um, I remember going to a white club, predominantly white club in Miami. And they're like, your ass is big. And I was like five foot four hundred and twenty pounds. Now they have girls with big donkadons. You know what I'm saying? Now, like I have a smaller app. Okay. So um, now I don't have to worry. So I do take care of myself and I watch my sugars because that's to make myself feel good. Because I am constantly looking at pictures of myself, and you could be your own worst critic. critic Did you, you know? have you had your boobs done? I did have my boobs done back in nineteen. 19- 1997, so long oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Because I had kids, and, and um, my goal eventually is to take them out and just maybe get a lift or something in a couple of years when I could retire. But now I got this child in law school that I've got to. <laughs> I know you said that your Cuban side of the family cut you off. What about oh, the yeah. other side of your family, the Puerto Rican side um, of your family? Does anybody out in your extended family know what you do? My mother's mother has always known what I don't. They're now in their 80s. I don't really share with them about the OnlyFans. You know, you just don't want to, like, share too much. They'd be like, que, mande? <laughs> que <es> OnlyFans? <laughs> que <es> OnlyFans? <laughs> right. I don't share too much, but my family, like, I do have a vanilla job that people know that I do, and it's something with union, and I do that you do, do now? For- Yes, yes. I don't want to discuss it here because I keep it very separate. Yeah. But they know that I do that, but I haven't really shared. My father's side of my family, now they do talk to me, but like my father's passed away. His mother's still alive, but she's like on her last leg. She's very dimensional. Um, You know, like my aunt knew I was a stripper. Um, My aunt's an OBGYN in Miami. She knew I was a stripper. A lot of my family knew what I did, but they weren't talking about it, whatever. But again, they, you know, nobody helped me get out of it. Like my sister said one time, like, how come nobody helped you? There was a point where I moved to Miami where I had half of my father's family living down there and I started doing real estate and nobody really helped. Like nobody like referred me. I remember showing a cousin. I'll never forget this. I showed a cousin a property that was price right and here I was stripping but I was doing real estate and his wife or soon to she wasn't they weren't married there he goes let's look at for sale by owner and I'm like what in front of you in front of me how rude right (laughs) that's the rudest thing so like none of my family has really helped me my mother's side they've been there for me they're hardworking people 
you know, they lived in New York. They supported me where they helped me with my oldest. They picked her up from school. They watched her. They supported me the best that they possibly humanly can. But my father is the Cuban side that had the money. Nada. Wow. You started OnlyFans before, like, the very beginning. Before yeah, anybody really knew what OnlyFans yeah, was. I and now really it's this. With it. yeah, yeah. And now it's like this really big thing. Right. What has changed about you? Like, wh- how have you, f- how do you feel like you've changed over the course of your, actually not even just OnlyFans, but over the course and how your sex work has evolved? How okay, do you feel like um, you've changed? So the thing, this is the thing about OnlyFans. It has empowered me a lot. And recently, the one thing, and I shared this with a friend because, um, you know, I lived in LA for 10 years. So I have a lot of connections in LA. I realized since I do my own content creation, I, I'm producing all my own stuff. I realized I want to be a producer, but not for adult, nothing adult. So there is a project that I have in mind that has to deal with family and food that I want to like invest in and work on. And I want to eventually produce reality shows. I don't want to be stuck in just doing only fans. Like I feel like that would, I'm a Gemini that would get absolutely boring for me. I would be like so <laughs> bored. So I know I don't want to do the work of a podcast. I know that, but I know like there's some ideas that I would love to do that don't have to do with sex work that I would eventually like to produce. So um, that's something else that I'm trying to work on that eventually I will invest in and try, you know, getting into. Do you feel like it's still like that sex work still has a stigma or do you feel like people are oh, starting yes. to it, evolve it, it their, their It st- does their have a views. stigma because a lot of people, they just don't know anything about it. They don't know the history, what's behind it, why did, they don't know why. I also, and I'm going to say this because it gets me kind of mad now when I see current sex workers, is I feel a lot, a lot of sex workers are jumping into it because they think it's going to be fun or fast catch. And like, again, I turned to it because there was no other resources. So yes, I'm making money. Yes, things are working out, but I'm planning an exit. For instance, I already have, my father passed away two years ago. I inherited a home in Tampa. I've already setting up like a retirement home and not a a home for me. When I plan to retire, I do have a vanilla job. You know, I have goals outside of sex works. And I feel like there's a lot of people that just hear, oh, she made a hundred thousand. And then they get lost in it and they don't know anything else. And all they know is, Sex work, sex work, sex work, sex work, sex work, sex work, sex work. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was in a group on Clubhouse and this really hurt my feelings, but some girls like, oh, well, you don't do full service. You're not an escort, so you can't be in this group. And I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Like, because I feel like with sex work under an umbrella, we're all the same. Right. You know what I mean? But I was kind of like ridiculed for not meeting people. Like I was, I just thought it was like weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what would I'm not, but I feel like if you do anything, it's all under, that's why there's an umbrella for sex work, but I don't want to be, you don't want to be pigeonholed. I don't want to be pigeonholed. And I've been, you know, doing it, you know, there was a break where I did do it, not do it for a while. Yes, I do enjoy it. I do love my fans, but there's other projects that are dear to me. Like I said, I want to be a producer that I want to go work on. No, that's awesome. I think no matter what industry you work in, right. You yeah. have to, if there's a passion that you have that somewhere else, mm-hmm. then you need to slowly figure, you know, right. work that and, until you right. can get to and, that point. And, um, I realized producing is something that I really want to do. I want to be behind like some shows. 
I have some ideas for some reality shows or stuff that I can even possibly film for YouTube. I don't want to be the face of it. This is what's mm -hmm. different. I want to be the person that produces it and gets it together. I really, what's crazy is even though I'm on OnlyFans, I don't like being, and even though I'm on IG and all that, I don't like having to show my face. And it sounds weird, but I want to be able to work on a project that I'm behind the scenes. No, I get that because I sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, when anytime I post on Instagram, the things that get the most interactions and comments and stuff are things about me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that person that only has their face on Instagram. Yeah. So I get that. Like, I totally yeah, yeah. understand like, that. But I, those are the ones that people like get drawn into and really, yeah. really interact with. And right. so I try and make things fun. Obviously, yeah. I'm promoting the podcast and I'm promoting wines and different things. But I don't want to only see my face when I go to right? Instagram. <laughs> after a while, like I don't want to, even though I do that, like, you know, people think like they haven't even met me, like I'm full of myself or something. No, man, I want to, this is what's bringing in money right now. And this is, you know, but I, I have plans to do other stuff, you know, and that are, that are really mean something special to me. So, you know, that's, I'm slowly working on it because as you know, like if you have a podcast, you know, everything that's involved, the work and yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. not, I mean, I was at my parents' house and I was like, I have to go home. I have a podcast interview. My mom was like, you can do it here. And I'm like, no, everybody's going to be here at the <laughs> same time. There's too much noise. Right, right. And then plus I was like, do I really want to have like, I don't know. I didn't know what we were really going to talk about. I mean, I had an idea, right? I always keep right, like right, a general thing. <laughs> yeah. Because right. then if my mom even just heard a little bit, she would walk in oh. being chismosa, <laughs> right? Yeah. She's like the ultimate chismosa. Walk in and be like, what's only fans? What's going on? And I'm like, oh my gosh, get out. Like, oh, this yeah. is why I didn't want to do it here. Right. So exactly. yeah, no, I get that. And like I said, I'm so fascinated because I think it takes a lot of balls, to be perfectly frank, to be able to put yourself in a position like that. And I want to make sure that people know what it is, know that we don't have to look down on people because this is what they do. Everybody mm -hmm. makes their own choices. We And I think if you're feeling empowered and you love what you're doing and it's doing something that is and allowing you to, you're not hurting anybody and yeah. it's allowing you to do something that, to help your daughter and yourself, like putting you, you're setting yourself up. Like you said, you know that there's life after OnlyFans and yeah. you're setting yourself up every, for that. Every job that I've had, so because I was stripping at a young age, like I'm in these telegram groups and these girls, some of these ladies are like, oh, wow, I'm making this. They just touched money. I've been doing in the adult industry where I've been touching money. So I know here today, gone tomorrow. So I know this may not be here tomorrow because I did work at clubs and then they, the best clubs would close down. If the platform closes tomorrow, I actually am okay. And not a lot of people can say that I'm financially okay in my life. Yeah. I would be able to survive. You know what I'm saying? Also like with my IG, I'm trying to get away from the adult industry and trying to get work with brands. I do have mostly a male audience. So you know, I'm kind of limited. I would like to get more of a female audience so I could work with different brands and stuff like that. I know I don't, I know I have a lot of friends who do porn, but I personally don't want to do porn. I don't want to work for a production company. I only want to work for myself. OnlyFans has been allowed me to do. And no, I think that's awesome. And, and you yeah. know what you want. So I think yeah. 
with age comes wisdom, but with how much time you've spent in this industry, you definitely have an understanding that I think probably people that have just done it. Before I forget, you were talking about you've worked in the fetish world. How did you yes. work in the fetish world? Like what what did that um, encompass? There was a site, and I'm still on it, called Night Flirts. Um, I don't get on it so much, and I'm on another site called I Want Clips. I've kind of abandoned them because it's not really bringing me money. And then I took classes from, on Clubhouse, I actually host a group, How to Make Money, once a week on Thursdays. If people follow me on Clubhouse, they can um, find me. And how to make money on the fetish world. And actually, my teacher, who's Miss Tara Indiana, is in there. She's the person that guided me. So I was taking classes from this woman, and she's just amazing. She's a dominatrix. She's just she's absolutely amazing. She's the smartest woman I know. And one of the smartest women I know in adult entertainment. The other smartest person I know was a Latina porn star named Mercedes Ashley that just doesn't get enough recognition in the porn world. Um, she was just just a genius beyond her years for people to Google Mercedes Ashley. She's just genius. So those are the two smartest women I know. And that was one of my teachers. So I took a lot of classes from her. I've always been dominant. I've never been a submissive person. I got a night flirt and I started, guys would call me, you know, and I started doing Dom where I had guys that would, you know, contribute money or they wanted to be humiliated, different scenarios, cross-dressers. And I, I did that for a little bit. And I still do that on Sex Pamper and a little bit on OnlyFans. So everything you do, you've always done everything like at a distance, right? Besides stripping, you've not ever, everything else has been like hands off. Yeah. Stripping was in person and stripping was, you know, when I stripped, it was in different strip clubs I remember, I think it was 2012, I discovered camming. I still cam once in a while on a site called Streamate, but I'm not really like up on it. I do a lot of video calls. A lot of guys like video calls. I like the video calls too, because I'm talking live to people. Stuff has been online since I quit dancing. I did do bachelor parties in Southern California though. Oh, did you? (laughs) I love, I miss it because I would, like, I miss it because I would go to family's parties. And they love me. <laughs> I miss it, though. I miss being on the East Coast because I'm Cuban Puerto Rican. I miss my Mexican culture, all my friends and everything. Like, because it's a totally different culture than the way I was raised. But I got very, very close. And uh, a lot of Mexicans, they can throw down, you know, really good parties. Yeah, I miss I'm the- Mexican, girl. I got that. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I miss- I'm trying to think of the uh, drink with the hot, what's it called with the hot stuff on there? Um, a michelada? Yes, I missed that right With now. the chamoy and tahini oh, rim. Oh, chamoy, yes, it's so hard. I just had one. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, I just had one. <laughs> I missed that, yeah. So I miss, like, there's certain things that I miss on the West Coast that are not here. If somebody wanted to join OnlyFans or start an OnlyFans, And they've Mm -hmm. never done anything like that before, but they were just interested in dipping their toe in or whatever. Mm -hmm. What would you say they would need to be aware of before anything? Um, What you put out on the internet is going to be there forever. You've got to be aware of family and people finding out. I'll be honest. When my father passed away, it was a little bit easier to be um, online. So the thing is, people, if people are going to be on the internet, that's there forever. They can't really erase it. So they have to be aware of their family. So being that my father passed, like the irony of my father passed, I felt more free. like he's the only man I didn't want to disrespect. 
And I was very close to my father. That's what people need to realize if they're going to open up OnlyFans. And then I actually meant to ask this before and then I forgot and I remembered while you were (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's life, right? That's what happens. Mm -hmm. We forget things. And when you're doing video calls, do people ever ask you to simulate sex and do you? Or is it just literally video calls? They often are playing with themselves. Do they ask you to participate with and play with yourself as well? Well, I'm really good at dirty talking because I'm good with phone sex. I can get them off on two or three minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just by talking. Sometimes when I'm there, I'm actually like topless and I'm talking to them because I am verbal. You know, so I'm really, really good at talking dirty. So because of me, yours is stripping. When when I dance, I had to sell that. I had to sell that lap dance. Mm-hmm. So to sell something, you got to make that lap dance sound good. So that's what turned me into my mouthpiece. That gotcha. kind of helped with the phone sex. Yeah. So I'm good at that. But when the pandemic hit, I noticed I would get guys that would want to sit and chat more. And the younger guys wanted life advice. Yeah. Really? And I noticed something, and this was real sad to see, but I had about three or four fans that they didn't have their mother in their life. And when I had the conversation with them, it wasn't so sexual. So yeah, that was another thing that I noticed. Because I kind I know all my fans, but I noticed I would, during the pandemic, I had like a couple guys call me and it was kind of sad because, you know, like, oh, I didn't know my mother or um, I was getting a couple of those guys. So there is something to be said about like the male role. The mother role is important. You know, like they talk about the father role being important, but the mother role is important. Yeah. I know, like when I worked at a strip club, I would talk to guys all the time, right? Yeah. I was that person where a guy would ask my for my number and I'd be like, mm-hmm. why don't you give me your number? And then I'd erase it at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> the managers, the girls loved me because I didn't ever start drama, right? Because, you know, working right. a strip club, there's oh, always drama, Always drama. Mm -hmm. The girls like me because I didn't ever start drama. And I would refer like guys would be like, oh, I want to dance. And my first thing is, okay, well, what do you like? What do you like? Mm -hmm. Tell me what kind of girl. Oh, I think you would like this person or this person or this person. You were hooking it up. Yeah, I was hooking. Uh So the girls loved me for that. The Mm -hmm. managers like me because I rarely ever drank on the job Mm -hmm. because you can. and But I rarely did. And literally, I was just there to make money. I was not right, 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 to right. be in any drama or anything like yeah. that. So the managers like me. So it was literally just to get over the hump yeah. financially or whatever. Yeah. And some of those uh, waitresses make good money. Oh my gosh. I learned how to <laughs> hustle so hard because yeah. you're not assigned a table. It's literally whoever gets there first gets, you, you get know, the, and yeah. Get, yeah. And that just because you got them the first time doesn't mean you're going to get them the next time unless they, Start request a tab you. with you, uh-huh. yeah, or request you. That's the, the, the it's a free for all. So mm-hmm. that's how stripping was um, too. Yeah, you would get guys like I would get guys. Oh, buy yourself. A, oh, we want these drinks and buy yourself a drink. So mm-hmm. I learned very quickly because I was the like, virgin drink. Yes, <laughs> I used yeah, to yeah. drink Crown and Cranberry with lime. Mm-hmm. So I would just ask for cranberry juice with lime and then charge them for the full drink. So yeah, you learn to hustle. And then yeah, I remember no, I you don't like give the- people back your change either. So oh, you don't yeah. give them back the change. You just ask how much they want back. And I remember one time, I think it was like, I don't know how much money I had. And I was like, how much do you want back? And he's like, you can keep all of it if you show me your boobs. And I'm, it was like eight bucks or something. And I'm like, 
Mm-hmm. Dude, my boobs are worth way more than this. Here's three dollars, <laughs> and then I left, walked away. Eight dollars is not going to get you to see my boobs. I'm right? Sorry. Nobody saw them. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm like, no, oh. no. Some of those waitresses knew how to hustle. Yeah. I mean, much. this was oh my gosh, like in my late twenties. This was like 15 years ago. Yeah. That I did this, but honestly, I'm I'm really glad that I did, just for the fact that I got to see a whole other aspect of things that I would have never seen. Like just as a life experience, I think that was really cool. Right. You would see so many things. You would see the girls getting done up in the back, the makeup artists and getting, Mm -hmm. you would see girls that you would want, they would walk in. And then by the time they hit the stage, they didn't even look like the same person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, who is that? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I didn't recognize that. (laughs) Cause you see when they walk in, but I want to make sure I give you an opportunity. If there's anything I didn't ask you or anything else that you want wanted to share that you're able to do that, because I know we've kind of just all over the place, but yeah, yeah, I just yeah. wanted it to feel very natural and, right. and conversational because I didn't know what, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. And I've just yeah. thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And anybody wants to find me, they can find me on IG on Marcella Silbella. Or they can join ilovemarcella.com, which is a direct link to my paid OnlyFans. <laughs> yes, I am so, like I said, I've been looking forward to this. I'm so glad. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of people who they've heard of OnlyFans, but they didn't know exactly what it was. But I think it's so important when it comes to especially stuff like sex work that we really get to know the, some of the people behind it. And educate it. people because when my article came out, there was somebody on Twitter that go that made a comment like... Oh, yeah. Talk oh, about the article that came out oh, in yeah, regards yeah. to um, that. So I was interviewed by the Daily Beast and it came out and I had... I remember I saw one lady. She goes, oh, she's doing that for attention. And I'm thinking, like I expressed to you, I don't really want to be my face everywhere. But this is what's making me money. This is what's helping my children. This is what's helping me retire at a young age. You know, this is the money and this is the opportunity presenting to me now. Why not take it? You know what I'm saying? So um, a lot of women, I don't know, they get worried like they're going to lose. First of all, I don't want nobody's husbands. I want nobody's leftovers. But a lot of women, I don't know what it is. They get um, kind of insecure. But like, I'm doing this. This is what I do. I don't take it home. Well, I do do my work at home. But, you know, I'm not here to steal nobody's husbands. This is a job. You're not This here. is a job. Yeah. Right. And I think the big stigma with sex work, but nobody wants to talk about it. It's the fact that it's somebody's husband out there or somebody's boyfriend. And to be honest, I get mostly single guys. Young guys, that's who I get. I get the younger guys um, and the Spanish-speaking guys. But um, a lot of guys, you know, men get horny all the time. And I feel like they do need a sexual outlet. What a lot of women don't realize, they do need a sexual outlet. Because men are being told, you have to behave. You have to watch your P's and Q's. But men, their sexual drive is high at a young age. So by letting it out at different times, you know, in a way they're, and by a consenting adult like me that doesn't mind if they send their dick pic because I'm going to charge their ass, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's better they send it to me than somebody's daughter or somebody's, you know, like they send it to you. You're not consenting, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. in a way there is a need for sex work. You know, it is entertainment. You know, when I stripped it was entertainment. Yeah. And I think also some 
people, because I don't want to just relegate it to men, women, you know, because we know that there's more than he, she, they, them. But I also think that there's a lot of people who have fetishes that they're ashamed to admit to the person that they love or the person that they're with. I have had a fan tell me that his wife told him he was disgusting because he likes feet. And his wife said that he was just, and I'm thinking if my husband, if I had a husband and he told me all he wanted to see was V, I'd be happy as hell. To me, that's an innocent fetish. Yeah. You know, what's not acceptable to me is anything with children or animals. That's all that that's disgusting, you yeah. know, but the men that are sharing some of these fetishes that are, are like feet or hosiery. And, um, I've learned a lot of men are just so simple with what they want and desire. Yeah. You know, like you said, you're not seeing these people in person. You're not Mm -hmm. meeting these people. It's literally just this virtual connection. I'm so glad we were able to talk about this. I'm sure there's, I know that there's so much more, but I think it's so important to give people glimpses of what, like the people that work in this industry and why, and the things that you're actually doing, because like you said, there is a stigma, but also I think there's a misunderstanding of what Mm -hmm. is actually being done. Right. I was, that's why I was so excited. Cause I was like, I know I have genuine questions. And if I have these mm-hmm. questions, I know other people have these questions. So that's why I was like crazy excited to talk to you. So it's been such a pleasure, Marcella. We open end with wine and I know you already okay. said, but I want to ask I you again. I drank you did. <laughs> you drank your whole white claw. <laughs> I drank my whole white claw. Yeah. I've got to train an assistant in a minute. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite type of wine? And do you have, Moscato. I know you said Moscato. Do you have a favorite brand of Moscato? No, because I'm, I've am i never been a drinker at all, believe it or not, only years of dancing. I just know I like something that tastes good, but it's always been Moscato has been my favorite. Nice. Well, you guys, please make sure to follow Marcella on Instagram. I'm sure if you guys have questions, she'll be more than happy to answer Majority of my audience is is women, so <laughs> hopefully you'll get some women followers as well. Yes, that's what I want. I want more. <laughs> and you know what? I'm gonna throw it out there. Just tell me if we're good with that or not. Like, if you have questions in regards to things that you can do to help with your significant other, I'm sure she has some ideas. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows? And if you're thinking of starting an OnlyFans, then definitely reach out to her. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much, Marcella. And until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.